0: You don't be crazy. And you don't, you Hello and welcome to Team West Covina, a Crazy Ex-Girlfriend podcast. I'm your host, Paisley, and today is Sunday, January 14th, 2018. This is episode zero, where I'll introduce you to the podcast as well as share some stories from when I flew to L.A. for the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend 100th Song Singalong and met up with some other fans to visit CXG Film Locations in West Colina. The aim of the podcast is to analyze the TV show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and its themes, obviously, and also to provide a safe space where listeners can share their own stories about how they relate to the show and the impact it's had on them. A lot of people have relationship stories or mental health stories or something in that vein that are very personal to them, and understanding why and how people relate to the show can hopefully increase support from the online CXG community. One thing I want to warn you guys straight up is there will be spoilers. This is a reanalysis first of the episodes and then of central themes and topics. I tend to have a much deeper, more thorough perspective on something once I've had more time to process it, to see what happens in episodes that come later and how they reinform earlier episodes. So, my podcast episodes aren't really focused on recaps so much, but on interpretations and analysis of the symbolism, characters, plot, things like that. And this episode zero is an unconventional episode of the podcast, serving as an intro and discussion of the crazy ex-girlfriend trip that I took recently. Most Team West Covina podcasts will analyze individual episodes until they've all been covered and then move on to different themes and topics. In addition to general analysis of the episode, I plan to have a variety of short segments each time. They all have kind of cute names. The first one is Ring of Fire. Supposedly, there's a fire reference in every episode, at least until they reveal that Rebecca tried to burn down Robert's place. And I'd really like to go back and kind of look at that and see if we can spot the fire reference every time. Some of them are more obvious than others, but uh, if there's one in every episode, kudos to them. That's amazing. Um, The next segment is booze clues, of course, relating to Greg. Um, When Greg's alcoholism reveal happens in the show, uh, we do get kind of quick little flashbacks of some of the times that may have clued us into his condition, Uh, but Rachel and Aline said there's actually a lot more of them that they just couldn't include, and they're all sprinkled in throughout different episodes, and I thought it might be kind of an interesting thing to look at on a rewatch and see if there's anything we missed. One of the other segments I'd like to do is called Nailed It. Uh, A lot of you guys know that Rachel Bloom has said there's a hidden code or message in Rebecca's nail polish. Kind of indicating how she feels or what her mood is. Uh, they usually do try to go for some symbolism there, and uh, I, I kind of like to pay attention to it throughout. I think people have noticed it in, in different scenes, but to be able to go back from the beginning and, and look at all that might be kind of cool. So, I do have another segment called Who Done It. Uh, this is a little bit unusual. What I'd like to do is kind of count the times Rebecca instigated. Uh, some sort of plot or plan with Josh and how many times Paula instigated it or got her back on that, that train of thought because I do feel like they kind of ping pong back and forth and I'm curious who really did more of the instigating and it would be kind of fun to keep a running tally. I, I, I do wonder like how long Rebecca would have continued this without Paula's help and influence if she would have just given up at some point or maybe run out of ideas. And so looking at that interaction between them might be kind of interesting. The next segment, I don't really have a cute name for. If you guys have any ideas, let me know. Uh, It's kind of like a song parody segment, and it's probably the section I need the most help with. So if you guys have any information or resources, totally send them in, even if it's an episode we won't get to for a while. I'd like to look at what inspired each song or um, which other song or style it's parodying or referring to. Uh, I think we all recognize some of them, but it may be challenging to recognize all of them, so I'd like to try to put that out there as much as I can with all of the the songs they've done so far. One of the last segments I'd like to do is theme. It kind of ties everything together uh, and gives people something to think about. I'd also like to do a poll question. Um, I'm not sure how well this is going to work. It takes kind of a while to build up listeners. And, uh, so maybe there won't be too much participation in the beginning while I kick all this off, but I'll probably post a, a poll question on, uh, any of the social media that allows me to do that, um, after every episode and let you guys vote. I'd also like to have a few discussion questions at the end of each episode, and you guys can take those to social media, you know, discuss them on the Team West Covina accounts. You can email me if you'd like at paisley.podcasts at gmail.com, and if you'd like to share any thoughts on those questions on the show, um, I'll probably share some comments. And if you guys get into discussions with each other, that would be awesome too. And the the last segment I'm thinking about doing is called A Copian's Corner. And this is where I'd like to share real-life stories with themes that relate to the show, maybe from myself as well as others, um, anybody that would like to contribute, whether it's you're going through a hard time right now or whether it's something that You've gone through in the past, and things are looking brighter now. You know, anything that kind of relates back to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and piqued your interest in the show, um, I'd love to hear about. I'm keeping it at the end of every episode because uh, personal stories aren't everybody's cup of tea, so I'll always give people the option to, to opt out at that point if, if they really just want to hear about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the show, and leave it at that. It's also a segment where uh, you're welcome to ask questions and perhaps receive answers, not just from me, but also from other listeners. And hopefully, it can bring people together a little bit and help people feel supported. Because there really is a great community out there, and I think there's a lot of people who can relate to what we're all going through, and and that's pretty cool. It comes up a lot more with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend viewers than maybe it would with a different show. So the first impressions I had of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and how I got introduced to it is something I'd like to share in the intro episode. I'm really glad that I remember exactly where I was when I first heard about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I saw a commercial for it on TV, probably during a different CW show, since I've watched a lot of their DC shows on and off. The song parody aspect appealed to me, and the brief clips shown in the commercial immediately reminded me of 500 Days of Summer, which is ironic on several levels. Much later on, after I was already into the show, I learned that the director of 500 Days of Summer, Mark Webb, is actually an executive producer on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. He also directed two episodes so far, Josh Just Happens to Live Here, the pilot, and both wrote and directed Where is Josh's Friend, the first episode of season two. It's funny that a 30-second commercial for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend could remind me of Mark Webb's movie when there's really only one central moment in 500 Days of Summer where the main character's internal feelings are expressed like he's in a musical. Uh, You Make My Dreams plays simultaneously as he looks into a shop window and sees himself as Harrison Ford after success with the girl he adores. Like in the West Covina number, a fountain plays a prominent role and the Tom character is greeted enthusiastically by everyone he meets on the street. Many of them break into a dance routine with him. It's also outdoors and there's even a marching band like West Covina. I was actually quite amazed at the similarities when I went back and re-watched it after all these years. Uh, Plus, there's a cartoon bird that lands on Tom's finger, which we later see picked back up during Paula's Maybe This Dream song in season two. So, uh, definitely check it out if you've never seen that. 500 Days of Summer is a great movie. Crazy Ex-Girlfriends songs that depict what you see and feel in your head, but don't necessarily express aloud also reminded me a lot of the expectations versus reality sequence in 500 Days of Summer. So there, there definitely are a lot of Marg Webb signatures sprinkled throughout. And despite the fact that it reminded me of a movie I loved, I also had a lot of reservations after the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend commercial. Sometimes CW shows can be corny or cheesy, And I was concerned that this show would be more of a guilty pleasure than something I should actually spend my time on. I wasn't sure how they were going to portray the, quote, crazy ex-girlfriend, if she'd be vilified or if she'd be superficial with a stock romantic comedy happy ending. It wasn't exactly clear in the commercial that the songs weren't the only element infused with parody. Another thing it reminded me of in my first impression was Glee, which started out as a parody, but began to take itself maybe a little too seriously by the end. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was brand new at the time, completely untested. And I wondered if it would be one of those shows that was canceled after first season, in which case I probably didn't need to spend my time watching it. But much of the reason I made those arguments to myself in quick succession, was because there's actually so much to binge watch nowadays due to services like Netflix. You really do have to pick and choose. But I'm so glad that a year later, when season one first landed on Netflix, and I saw it on the front page, I just finished binging a different TV series. And rather than start the next one on my list, I was in the mood for the flavor of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And I thought I'd try a few episodes and see what the show was like. Uh, I actually got hooked from the beginning. I loved the pilot right away and never looked back. Even in the pilot, uh, I could tell the show had a deeper underlying narrative to tell and wasn't meant to be taken at surface level. But it is a little discouraging how many people take it at face value. Rebecca sings of glorious West Covina, but the visuals we see are of adult stores and humdrum strip malls. Reality isn't matching her expectations, a hallmark of Mark Webb's direction. This is a story I can get on board with. I'd also like to address why I decided to try podcasting, specifically about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, in this intro episode. The character of Paula Proctor and her relationship with Rebecca at its best really reminded me of my best friend and her relationship with me in terms of the positive aspects not all the enabling. I'll be using code names sometimes to refer to real people in my life, unless they express a desire for me to use their real names. So in the case of my best friend, I'll be calling her Daisy here. Daisy was about a decade older than me, and I rarely see that sort of age difference between friends depicted on TV. Like Paula, Daisy was a hard worker who'd been dealt a bad hand, She and her family didn't have enough money for her to attend college after high school. And it wasn't until she was in her 30s that she finally got her bachelor's degree and went on to get her master's. Like Paula, Daisy took pride in her work but didn't feel appreciated or respected enough at her job. Also like Paula, she was exceptionally loyal and thoroughly invested in the lives of her friends. And she was ridiculously good at research and finding stuff out in general, a key trait we see in Paula. So why am I telling you all this? Daisy died suddenly, not too long ago, of a blood clot and possibly other complications the doctors weren't aware of. She was in her early 40s, and it was a huge shock to all of us. Watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend episodes makes me both miss her and feel closer to her because of Paula and Rebecca's relationship. I know she would have loved the show, so I'm doing this podcast in part in tribute to her. Daisy saw me through the beginning of the worst years of my life before she passed. A lot of the things that have happened are so absurd and outrageous, they compare with the experiences of Rebecca and her friends. For now, I'll just give a brief overview. I basically lost all my core people, meaning the ones I'm close enough to to make life plans with or regularly go on vacation together without question, that sort of thing. I currently live alone and feel like I don't have a regular verbal outlet anymore for the first time since I was 15. So over time, I've had daily reflections and frustrations kind of pile up because I haven't been able to get them out the way I could when I lived with a partner. That's not to say I don't have friends I can talk to. I do have a lot of friends in this area, but nobody that I see once a week or communicate with a couple times a week the way you would with those key core people. I'm definitely more of a writer than a speaker, but this current state left me more interested in podcasting than I ever would have been before. I actually had no interest in being a podcaster until just recently. I do listen to a lot of podcasts myself and subscribe to around 70 of them. Crazy ex girlfriend provided a huge outlet for me when I lost my core people to quite a variety of things and it quickly became my favorite show of all time, which never fails to surprise me. Other TV shows have meant quite a lot to me, some for decades, so I'm really surprised at how much I related to it and how it captured a central theme in my life. At the same time, relating to this show is a double-edged sword. Many people would inevitably interpret that the wrong way, presume I'm relating to aspects I don't identify with, or judge me for the aspects that do fit my experiences and perspective it's brutally honest in an awkward but empathetic way and not many would admit to identifying with it but that's exactly what makes it ring true it's much easier to judge the characters on the show and disassociate with them which is part of what makes the humor so good and so brave what i love about crazy ex-girlfriend is that it makes fun of us and everyone in our lives to some degree We probably all know Josh Chan's and Paula's and Rebecca's, but it it does all this in an empathetic and accepting fashion. It provides a way to laugh at our pain and problems. I also wanted to talk a little bit about why this podcast is called Team West Covina. At first, I thought of calling the podcast Team Rebecca, which is a direct reference to the show. Uh, not because we condone all her choices, but because I'm interested in reaching listeners who are advocates for her mental health and for everyone else's mental health, too. Well, Rebecca is the most obvious, all the central characters on the show are dealing with psychological issues of some kind. Everyone in West Covina needs someone on their team. And you don't have to have a mental health diagnosis like anxiety, depression, or borderline. All of us really do need to take care of our mental health on a daily basis, so we can all relate on some level. I'd like the podcast to place an emphasis on listeners who are going through tough times, as well as those who have emerged from that state, and I'd really like for listeners to feel supported and heard by the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend community. Do I have any internal biases? Because the show is so personal to me, particularly at this time in my life, I'll say that Uh, Probably the biggest one is that I do feel more protective of Rebecca than the average viewer. I can definitely understand why some viewers don't like her, or continually question her choices, find aspects of her to be abrasive, that sort of thing. And there are times when I agree, uh, when I will take issue with some of her behavior as well, and you'll see that throughout the episodes. But overall, I'm pretty empathetic to Rebecca and her journey. And by extension, those of you who are on similar journeys or used to be. So if a loosely pro-Rebecca stance is not your cup of tea, uh, you might want to try any one of the number of engaging Crazy Ex-Girlfriend podcasts out there. Uh, I've listened to the majority of them. I've I've listened to quite a few, and I, I love the sense of community they provide. Characters like Josh are the ones who are most likely to rub me the wrong way in a general sense which in part comes from the narrative and in part from my personal experiences. We all bring a lens with us when viewing the show, and I think it's important to acknowledge that and recognize that it says more about why we watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend than which views are correct or incorrect. That being said, I, I can still find the positives in Josh too, and in episodes where that's readily apparent, I'll make sure to address those as well. This podcast is more about exploring perspectives, whether it's my own or listeners, than it is about arguing particular points. Also in this intro episode, I wanted to discuss what it was like to visit West Covina in LA, uh, see filming sites with fellow Crazy Ex-Girlfriend fans, um, and also see uh, the cast performance. Uh, this all came about when it was announced that the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend cast would be performing songs and answering short interview questions for an hour at the Vulture Festival in L.A. It was called the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend 100th Song Sing Along, and it really appealed to me that the entire cast would be there, since it's rare to see them all in person at once. Additionally, I saw that there were some people from an online message board um, organizing a meetup, so I'd actually have people to hang out with and be able to meet more fans of the show if I did take the trip. I share a lot of interest with my local friends. But Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is different from the fantasy and sci-fi stuff that we enjoy. And I was hard-pressed to find anybody local who might be into the show with me. Right from the start, it felt more like a narrative or adventure than some of my vacations. I was actually on the plane to L.A. listening to Dream Ghosts from the soundtrack, uh, and I suddenly noticed that the person sitting diagonally from me had a patch on her shirt that read Ghost Club. (laughs) Um, So I love little synchronicities like that, Uh, and I couldn't help but notice the parallels between myself and Rebecca when she flew to West Covina in an attempt to break out of her misery and follow her dreams. Well, I certainly didn't expect it to be all that all-encompassing or solve my problems, I did feel like it was an important psychological journey to take after everything that's happened to me over the past four and a half years. I knew that visiting some of the landmarks from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend would be pretty cathartic for me, and seeing the cast perform in person would be healing and uplifting. I played West Covina as soon as I got into my rental car, as well as other relevant songs from the soundtrack. I felt really happy and excited just to be there. Um, And as as I was driving down the L.A. freeway, I passed one of the real-life Accidentes billboards that's parodied in West Covina. It even had a guy with a mustache on it. So for someone who doesn't live there, it's definitely fun to to kind of go and spot some of those things. I plan to stop at the Church of the Epiphany in L.A. on the way to my hostel. This is the church used in the pivotal scenes from season three, episode two, to Josh with Love, which aired on October 21st, 2017, which was actually less than a month before I arrived in person. So there really wasn't much downtime. I was watching it on the show, and and then a couple weeks later, I was standing there live. Uh, It's the church where Josh goes to become a priest. In the church, Rebecca bursts into in her wedding dress to confront Josh after he bailed on their wedding with no explanation and gave her the silent treatment for over two weeks. This is where she goes to force him to speak to her face-to-face because she deserves that much respect. Well, in the episode itself, Rebecca makes the mistake of telling him all the questionable stuff that she herself did, in that moment she's having a catharsis getting out everything that's been building up inside of her for so long. And when she leaves, she feels really good at first, a relief. By visiting that church, I hope to create my own moment of closure, since my Josh Chan never provided it, giving me the silent treatment after I found out what he did and refusing to talk to me about that or anything else after six years of friendship, relationship, and history. He couldn't even face reading the message I wrote him for months, leaving me to feel not only disrespected and lied to, but also unheard. Since I haven't gotten an explanation from him, I have to find some way of creating closure for myself, at least for now. And visiting this church that housed such a pivotal scene was one way of doing that. Walking into that church was like walking into their world. It looked exactly the same, and no one was there except for a tiny elderly woman vacuuming the back room. Some of the places Crazy Ex-Girlfriend films aren't even sets, but they have four walls, real doors. There's no distracting production equipment. The church was in a residential area of L.A., and I could even park on the side of the street a block ahead of the church in the same spot Rebecca did. I found the pew where Josh imagines the Holy Ghost, which is also the area where he does some old-school dance moves. The front is where Father Rodrigo claps his hand on Josh's shoulder and says, I'm sorry, son, and Josh surprises him by feeling a huge whoosh of relief because once he heard what Rebecca did, in his mind, he didn't have to feel guilty anymore. The back is where Josh meets the door priest, and also where Rebecca enters and backs him up as she walks down the aisle. The elderly woman helped take photos of me inside the church and outside on the corner where we can see Rebecca leave in her wedding dress during the TV show. The church employee was so sweet and helpful, and I felt really grateful to her. It was really nice that they let me visit. When she went back to vacuum, I took a moment alone to walk up the aisle, picturing what it would be like to confront my Josh Chan, say what I needed to say and know he heard, ending with an emphatic goodbye. Ironically, I had to watch the episode Josh is Irrelevant from my L.A. hostel bed when it aired so that I was caught up by the time of the sing-along. Even spending time in a hostel made me think of Rebecca after the infamous swim Chan episode. The next day, I drove to West Covina to see the filming locations. West Covina truly is suburban. It's about 45 minutes away from downtown L.A. During the first couple seasons of the show, I got the mistaken impression that West Covina was maybe somewhere between San Francisco and L.A., a few hours from the beach or any huge metropolitan areas. During the episode Josh and I go to Los Angeles, it's presented as a journey of a couple hours at least, like it's not a regular thing they do. Somehow the cartoon map that shows its location relative to L.A. and the pilot didn't register at first. In reality, I feel like the characters would spend a lot of time in L.A., And not feel as cut off from the world as Greg portrays it in What'll It Be? Lots of towns do have that What'll It Be feel, my hometown among them, which is why I had the mistaken idea of where West Covina actually was, especially since I don't live in California. While I had plans to meet up with several other online fans, I was on my own for an hour or two at first, attempting to find Rebecca Bunch's house. I knew that this was a long shot. There was a fence around the townhouse community, and my only hope was that maybe I'd be able to see it from the sidewalk and snap a picture through the gate or something like that. I could see some condos that looked like Rebecca's through the fence, but they didn't have her address number. When I turned the corner, I came across the actual gate and saw there was a map that actually laid out where each address was located within the complex. It looked like Rebecca's house wasn't on the perimeter, so it was unlikely I'd be able to see it from the sidewalk. Uh, But I walked around the next corner anyway, just in case. This turned into a hill, and the street swerved away from the complex, so it seemed like my excursion was at an end. I did an about-face and started walking back to my car. As I went past the gate this time, a girl walking just ahead of me somehow opened it up and went inside. It really caught me off guard, actually. Uh, It opened and closed just slowly enough that i stepped in behind her before I'd really thought it through. After taking a few strides in the direction of Rebecca's house, it suddenly occurred to me that I wasn't at all sure how I was going to get out. I looked behind me, but the gate had already closed. I hadn't expected to go inside. That had never been part of the plan. I'd taken the opportunity when it was presented to me because There hadn't really been time to think about it. The gate was only open for a matter of seconds. I wondered if I'd be trapped inside until someone else needed to use the gate. First day in West Covina, and I already found myself in a decidedly bunch-like situation. I decided for now the best thing to do was act normal. I took out my phone, played some Pokemon Go, all the while heading in the general direction of Rebecca's townhouse. Since I was stuck inside might as well make the most of it. I tried to picture the map in my head, but even then it took me maybe five or ten minutes to find it as there were a lot of little streets within the gated community and the grid wasn't even or in order. I recognized the back of her house first with the low fence and the patio doors. The front of Rebecca's townhouse was actually just a big garage. There didn't even appear to be a separate door on that side. From what I can tell, the front was never shown in the TV show. The backyard is actually where she leaves from to meet Greg and the pilot, and the address number is by that door. It was really exciting to see Rebecca's house when I hadn't expected to. Definitely glitter-inducing. I know. <laughs> I headed towards the gate after that, expecting to have to wait a while, but two older women were on foot exiting to take a walk, and I sped up and was able to slip out of the gate before it closed again. After that, I headed to one of the boba places in West Covina, Boba Tea Lounge, and as I turned the corner onto a side street, I did a double take. Was that Beans' house from the pilot? I'd actually looked this up before my trip, trying to figure out if anyone knew where Beans' house was. It wasn't listed in any of the film locations online like Rebecca's house was. Prior to my vacation, I'd try to figure it out myself because I could see the address numbers in the pilot, but I didn't know what street it would be on and finally gave it up as a lost cause. I was seriously shocked when I passed by it on accident. I turned onto another side street so I could like park and watch the West Covina Reprise video to confirm. Um, since that shows Beans' house and address. Sure enough, everything matched. It still looks exactly the same: dark brown on the left side, white on the right side of the long, low ranch house. I recognize the big picture window that's outlined in dark brown, and there are several palm trees on the right-hand side of the front lawn. Honestly, it was so much more exciting to discover Beans' house on my own as a surprise. I just wasn't expecting it, and and that made it, you know, all the better. By this point, the glitter feeling was out of control. Turns out Beans' place is actually very near Rebecca's. They could walk to each other's houses easily. Beans's house is important because that's where Rebecca goes to the party with Greg, and when Paula shows up and calls her out, she and Rebecca end up becoming best friends here on the front lawn. It was so wonderful to stand right in front of this spot for a moment. I finally made it to Boba Tea Lounge after that. None of the Boba places look like the one they have on set, but West Covina is known for their Boba. Um, this place in particular had a specialty drink where they make a cereal shake with boba and then use cereal as a topping. I chose the Fruit Loops one since it looked like a rainbow exploded. Then I continued on to Big League Dreams, which is the real-life home base. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend filmed the pilot in West Covina, so in the first episode, Rebecca is actually walking into the Stadium Club restaurant at Big League Dreams and sitting at the bar where Greg serves her. The crew then built an identical set that the show could use on a regular basis. Ironically, there are actually two identical restaurants physically at Big League Dreams to make it even more confusing. The first one is the Stadium Club, and the second is the Diamond Club. They look identical on the inside, but each one is connected to two different miniature replicas of baseball fields. Big League Dreams is basically a place where kids and teens can play baseball on teams using a replica of the Dodgers field, the Cubs Wrigley field, Detroit Tigers field, and so on. I knew from film location websites that the stadium club was where they actually filmed the pilot, and this made sense because only one field had red seats, and they used those in Season 1, Episode 4, Josh and I Are Good People, when Greg comes out and talks to Rebecca. This is the baseball field that can be seen out the windows from the bar. In later episodes, you can see some stock shots of dark green seats, too, which come from a different one of the baseball fields. I didn't realize until I got to the stadium club that the entrance everyone uses to enter home base is actually the back entrance of Big League Dreams. It's coming from the field side rather than the parking lot side, the backyard rather than the front, so to speak. At the stadium club, there are entrances behind the bar on either corner, and the bar is in the center. Directly behind the bar is a counter with cash registers where you can order food, something that doesn't exist on Crazy X girlfriend On the show, the back room for employees only is what's behind the bar. Another difference is that the stadium club in real life has a brick wall or fake bar countertop built around the actual bar that's the same height. This is presumably to keep the kids out, a physical separation between them and the bar, maybe? There are stools where you can sit at this brick counter and look out towards the baseball field away from the bar. In real life, there are no seats at the bar itself. I was pretty happy to discover that Big League Dreams served soft pretzels. I had spontaneously dressed like Rebecca that day in a blue dress and was able to pose with a pretzel at the bar for a photo. If it were full-fledged cosplay, I would have found the right style and perfect shade of blue, added accessories, but I'd only had time to just grab a blue dress from my closet and stuff it in my suitcase the day before I left for LA. I was surprised by how much the filming location for Home Base felt like home to me. Yes, it was a sports bar, not something I'd usually gravitate towards. But after so many important things happened there, it felt like home. I lived my journey alongside of Rebecca in real time, so home base revelations were pivotal to me as well. I met so many great people who loved the show while I was in California. A small group of online fans met up to see some of these film locations, and the first person I met was Vincent, a storyboard artist and illustrator in LA who joined me at Big League Dreams. Some online fans might recognize his art from when he did a Craze of Thrones spoof reimagining Crazy Ex-Girlfriend characters as Game of Thrones characters, or his Let's Generalize About Men 80s album cover. Hearing that Crazy Ex-Girlfriend had a male Asian lead piqued Vince's interest, since he's Asian himself, and it was one of the things that led him to try the show, even though it's outside of his usual tastes. It was great to talk with someone who loves all different aspects of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and was down to geek out over details with me. You can follow Vince and his artwork on Instagram, at Brush Pen Roulette or visit his website at vincentslee.com. After taking some photos and the red seats overlooking the baseball field, we headed on to the lakes, the shopping center where the big West Covina musical number was filmed in the pilot. We met up with a few other online fans here and a few more the day after at the 100th song sing along. Honestly, everyone's doing such inspiring things. We met up with Harrison, who closed captions TV shows by day and runs the popular Bagels After Midnight YouTube channel by night, providing literary and sociological analysis of crazy ex-girlfriend through his insightful, funny, and well-edited videos. You can find them at youtube.com slash bagelsaftermidnight. I met Lisa, who studied screenwriting and animation, worked as a background actor in L.A., has written several fairy tale-inspired ebooks available on Amazon, and writes the Princess blog. Links to her blog and books can be found on facebook.com/ lisa dawn books. I'll include links to everyone's creative projects in the show notes as well. It was lots of fun to meet so many creative people and hear their stories. I also met Heather, who works as a therapist and has a lot of great insights on crazy ex-girlfriend from a therapist's perspective. I met several other people as well, including someone who traveled from another state like I did, and Vicky, who's very active in the CXG Twitter community, who traveled all the way from England. Wow. Huge commitment. Um, And she said it was totally worth it. The great thing about meeting other fans of the show was that I felt comfortable with them right away, despite the fact that we hadn't known each other beforehand or anything like that. Right now, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is such a niche show that it can be hard to find people to talk to about it locally. So getting to have CXG discussions in person was a long time coming. I recognize the lakes instantly. It's not as big as it appears in the pilot, but everything looks a lot the same. There's the circular fountain with the colored rays on the ground that extend around it, which looks like a sun from the air. The song, West Covino, was filmed in this courtyard, which is in the middle of a small shopping center with individual shops and restaurants around it, along with the Edwards Cinema. There are a couple picnic tables to sit at. I wanted to get a few photos of myself there before the light faded, and somehow Vince had pulled up a screenshot of Rebecca in mid-March during the song, and the group had me pose like her, which pretty much involved me standing on one foot and making a chuh sound with my mouth, which was about as attractive as it sounds, but we all started laughing. Vince wanted to find the exact spot where Rebecca stood for my photo, which was awesome because I felt like no one else in my life would care except these other viewers who are as into the show as I am. My best friend Daisy would have loved this, loved the show, come with me to West Covina as if we were Rebecca and Paula. I actively miss her every day. This trip brought up so much for me, but in a way that was ultimately helpful. The group of us crossed the street to the office buildings that were used as the exterior shots of Whitefeather & Associates, Daryl's law firm, where Rebecca and Paula work. We were trying to figure out which angle they got the iconic shot from, and I knew it was south or southwest, according to the film location sites. Didn't mean we knew which direction south or southwest was, though. Our strategy was pretty much wandering around the buildings until we found it. It was on the opposite side by the highway, and even the orange flowers are still there, along with the palm trees. It's funny to think of White Feather being across the street from the fountain. A couple people in our group joined me to take pictures next to the West Covina sign nearby, and then we went to another boba place called BYOB, a boba company. And while they were indoors, they had fake foliage and a fake tin fence that slightly gave the impression we were sitting outside like the CXG characters do at their boba place. I ordered green apple boba tea with black tea mixed in and it came in a big white cup, as big as a cup of soup but taller. I highly recommend their boba and it was really good to sit down and have crazy ex-girlfriend discussions with my new friends. Visiting West Covina honestly completely lived up to my expectations and involving the CXG community made it even better. It was a lot of fun to do it with people. I was having fun on my own, too, but, you know, it really upped it when I got to hang out with people and discuss it and we could get excited together and take pictures of each other. Um, You know, it it was actually pretty idyllic. I I had a great time. And then the next day was the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend 100th Songs Sing-Along at the Vulture Festival in L.A. And the morning of that... Sunday, November 19th, 2017. I walked across the street to the Roosevelt Hotel to kind of gauge when I needed to come back and line up since it was general admission. I met a guy working for the Vulture Festival who said he'd paid attention to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend as well because, like Josh Chan, he was also Filipino and from West Covina. He'd actually worked at Big League Dreams in years past, which, now that we know Josh worked there for a little bit, is even funnier. Uh, He gave me a lot of good advice about being first in line for the panel to the point that I actually was first in line when it came time to line up. I left for a little while and, and then came back. I also met up with more CXG fans in line in our seats and after the show. We were sitting so close to the tiny stage, it was really amazing to see them in person. There was a big screen behind the cast that played the music videos with the lyrics so we could sing along. One of the reasons this was such a good opportunity and worth flying out for was because the whole of the current main cast was there. Heather Vella Lavelle, still not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. I've heard fans pronounce it both ways. Um, Valencia, Gabrielle Ruiz, Nathaniel, played by Scott Michael Foster, Jack Dolgen, who is a major songwriter on the show and uh, Rachel's BFF in real life. Um... Rebecca, played by Rachel Bloom, of course. Aline Brosh McKenna, showrunner, creator, executive producer. Paula, uh, played by Donalyn Champlin. Daryl, played by Pete Gardner. White Josh, played by David Hull. And Josh Chan, played by Vincent Rodriguez III. So they were all there. And I'm not sure how often they'll all come together like that in public. And uh, it was just so wonderful to see them all in person. I actually really love that Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is a small niche community right now that the cast gets along so well with each other and with viewers of the show. I've seen fans be so welcoming and supportive of each other online. Since I'm the girl who's come away from life with horrifying experiences in other fandoms, this is a breath of fresh air. It's hard to trust it or, or know how it will develop over time, but at the moment it's been a really positive experience, and I hope it's been that way for, for all of you guys as well. I love how Rachel and Aline are like the real-life Rebecca and Paula. Even though Rebecca is my favorite character, it was actually seeing Donalyn Champlin walk on stage that made me tear up because she acutely reminds me of my best friend Daisy, who I miss so much. Donalyn made eye contact with me, and her presence was immensely comforting. She's my second favorite character. Rebecca is the person I identify with most, and Paula is the person I'd want to be friends with the most. We learned that White Josh initially auditioned for the part of Greg, and while he wasn't right for that role, Rachel and Aline did think he was really talented and wanted to cast him as someone. For months, close to a year, David Hall thought he just didn't get the part, having no idea that Rachel and Aline were writing a part for him. The cast sang seven songs total, starting with Friend Topia, Let's Generalize About Men, and Then Getting By, in which Pete Gardner jumped off the stage and ran up and down the aisles all the way to the back of the room. I got a high-five from him as he ran past. The interviewer asked him what his reaction was when he found out that his character was bisexual, and he said he was happy to hear about that arc, happy that there'd be depth to his character, and that he wouldn't just be the bumbling boss. The fourth song was Let's Have Intercourse, which was even more hilarious live. Scott Michael Foster gyrated his hips, and both he and Rachel made hand gestures during the nipples line. Uh, You have to remember, this was a sing-along for real. So we found ourselves singing it to him and him singing it back to us, which made it doubly awkward, but really funny. Um, Bella and Gabrielle danced together, and so did Rachel and Malene for part of it. During the line, in much better physical shape, Rachel pointed at Aline. So self-deprecating. They're both beautiful. Um, I I loved watching them interact together. The cast is genuinely so close. It's really awesome. The fifth song was West Covina, which was great to sing along to after we just visited it the day before. Rachel was so excited, and she really wanted everybody to chime in. There were perhaps three hundred or four hundred people in the room. It was completely full and she seemed perfectly thrilled by that amount. The cast seems really grateful, even though they don't have as high a viewership as some shows. The people who love it really love it. For that hour, it felt like we truly had stepped into a musical. Seeing them live and singing those familiar songs with the cast thrilled me to my toes, and I could have stayed there forever. I felt truly happy to have these experiences, not despite other bad stuff in my life, but genuinely loved this all on its own. The sixth song was a new one they unveiled at the 100th song celebration, which has already become infamous by this point. It was Paula's song, The Very First Penis I Saw, and the crowd was dying laughing throughout it. Meanwhile, Donna Lynn was just dying, covering her face in embarrassment. The interviewer looked at the time and said they had to wrap it up after that, but Rachel pushed really hard for one last song, which turned out to be California Christmas Time. That's such an upbeat, uplifting song, and it gave Josh and Rebecca a duet, which was fun to see on stage. The only things I would have liked to see that we didn't get is hearing Donna Lynn sing one of her songs live because she has such a good Broadway voice, and I would have liked to hear more from Vincent Rodriguez III, but Greg is actually the character who's had more iconic songs than Josh did, so it may have been a little hard to do that. They spontaneously brought Cat Burns, the choreographer, up on stage. Dan Greger, Rachel's real-life husband, was also in the audience. He writes for the show, too, and did a bit part as a doctor. He also used to write for How I Met Your Mother, which is one of my other favorite shows, so really cool that they um, are all so close and know each other. Uh, I set up my social media for the podcast shortly after I returned from LA so I could post photos from the experience. They can all be found on my team West Covina social media accounts. And literally the first day I joined Twitter, Vinny, who plays Josh, had already retweeted and commented on some of my photos, which really floored me, actually, because I wasn't on Twitter before this. I had no idea how much of an opportunity there was to Speak with your favorite actors, writers, or musicians. Uh, likewise, I received some likes and acknowledgement from so much of the cast. Donna Lynn, Pete, Rachel, Gabrielle, lots of people, and the fans, too, were extremely welcoming, considering I was a newcomer to this type of social media. Normally, I'm really private, so it was a challenge just to get on there to start promoting the podcast. And after all the problems other fandoms have caused me, this response was seriously heartwarming and it helped a great deal so thank you to all of you i mean right now twitter has been such a positive place and you know there's a lot of people in the world who can't say that so the crazy ex-girlfriend community is really special anyway after the performance was over a few of us met up chatted took some photos we had arranged to have dinner at Tinhorn flats in burbank which is the place that inspired greg's study drinking bar specifically that location apparently as it has a western theme with wagon wheels at the bar it's also the place where rebecca runs into marco greg's dad at what she thought was her lowest point and managed to hit an even lower point you could definitely see the resemblance at Tinhorn flats it it basically looks the same but on crazy ex-girlfriend it's flipped like a mirror image of the actual restaurant the door is to the right on set whereas it's to the left in the real location Day after that, I actually met up with a couple of my newfound CXG fans at Santa Monica Pier and Beach. There's also that feeling of going downstairs to baggage claim in the airport, even from a trip that went really well, and seeing the hordes of people at the gate holding up signs, embracing their loved ones, getting really excited to welcome them home, or at least willing enough to do them a favor and pick them up from the airport. I can't tell you how many times in the last few years that I've walked through that crowd of people picked up my luggage, and took an Uber back to my loft all by myself. Admittedly, all of you listeners are meeting me at a very weird time, as these last few years have been completely different from my usual life. And for the longest time, I was reluctant to begin any sort of public creative project when I'm not feeling up to par. It's hard to say whether it will help or hurt. The verdict's in your hands now. Not every vacation has a healing quality like my trip to L.A. did. You can't force it, but when it happens, it makes a huge difference. I'm really grateful to the creators, cast, and crew of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, as well as the online community that's built up around it. I hope this is only the beginning of the story. So we've reached the end of episode zero, my intro episode, to Team West Covina. Please rate and review. It helps other people find the podcast. And you can reach out to the podcast, see photos, or start discussions on Facebook at Facebook.com Team West Covina, Twitter at Team West Covina, or Instagram under Team West Covina. Thanks so much for listening and hope to see you next time.